welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 201st episode, our returning guest is Josh Sigler. You first heard Josh Sigler on episode 14, along with fellow regular guest Brandon Chapman. Josh Sigler grew up in Tipton, Indiana, where he was a 2002 honors graduate of Tipton High School. He earned his bachelor's degree in media studies and organizational communication from Manchester University in 2006 and served as community affairs intern at WTHR Channel 13 Indianapolis during his senior year. He's worked for various publications over a 15 career as a journalist, including the Kokomo Tribune and the Wabash Plain Dealer. He earned the Hoosier State Press Association Award for Best Sports Feature in 2015 and has won various other awards during his career from the HSPA and the Associated Press. During his six years at the Kokomo Tribune, Sigler was an AP football pollster, and his work has appeared in publications such as the South Bend Tribune, the Hartford Current, and the San Antonio Express News. A quick programming note, you can read Josh's October 4th, 2015 Kokomo Tribune story, What Happened to Tabby? Unsolved Tipton Murder Still Haunts Family, by clicking the link in the show notes. And now on to the show. Thanks for doing this tonight. I appreciate it. Man, it's my pleasure to be on the show. It's uh, it's an honor to be back. I know the it's kind of uh, almost a relief now to have something to actually talk about. Because the first time I was on your show, I was like, "What are we going to talk about?" Because I don't even do this anymore. <laughs> but now I'm in a whole different you know headspace and like working on some real stuff. So it's uh, it's an honor to be back. Yeah, definitely. Well, as you mentioned, it has been a while since you've been on, so maybe you could, uh, as as Jay-Z once said, allow me to reintroduce myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I am a 2002 graduate of Tipton High School, which is important for this um, Mm -hmm. uh, interview, I would guess you could say. Um, Maybe the whole reason that this is even happening, but... uh, Manchester University, class of 06, and then I got my start in journalism in 2006 at the Wabash Plain Dealer, and I worked there for four years, and uh, then I moved on to the Kokomo Tribune. I worked there for six years, and then I moved back to Wabash, uh, tried a a couple different career paths that didn't really work out for me, and then uh, my wife got blessed with the opportunity to come back to her hometown of Mishawaka um, to become an associate Principal here at Mishawaka High School, and uh, so I've been living here for the last couple of years. And uh, I work for a uh, insurance technology software company now. I work from home, but that gives me the autonomy to also work on things like a book project if I so choose. So that's what I've been Absolutely. doing since the last talk. Absolutely. Well, let's let's mention it just one more time. Award-winning journalist, not just any journalist. <laughs> let's put that on the front street. Appreciate <laughs> not, that. And I, I have, I uh. I don't. I let people know every once in a while. I flex a little bit. I have my. I have the plaque that I won uh, hanging in my living room. So, yeah, it's a it's well, a it's big not, part of who I am. You know, mm-hmm. right. Well, it's not just an ego thing. Uh, it's just that anyone nowadays can call themselves a journalist and not know the first thing about it. So, uh, I just want everyone to to realize that, <laughs> that you're talking. You're you're hearing from an actual journalist today. Yeah, I mean, you have yeah yeah the awards that I have won have come from reputable places like the Associated. Yeah. That's in the Hoosier State Press Association. Real, not, real actual awards that people. Yeah, I'm not Joe Beerga with a keyboard that goes on Reddit and thinks he's a journalist. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly, exactly. Now, um, I kind of want to start where at the beginning of your story here because uh, kind of set the scene. Where is this case? When is this case? Uh, what do people need to know about uh, Tipton in this time period and kind of where you're at and where the where the story begins, I guess? Well, it's just there's so many things to talk about when you talk about the death of Tabitha Raines, uh, the murder of Tabitha Raines. Um, I had just graduated from high school in uh, 2002 and was a freshman at Manchester University. Uh, when this happened, um, Tabitha Raines, a 16-year-old girl who had just given birth to her first child uh, six months previous to that, was found uh, shot in the head in uh, Cicero Creek in Tipton Park on October 2nd, 2002. And um, mm-hmm. so that's so you're, you're talking about 20 years ago in Tipton, a town of 5,000 people where everyone knows everyone's business. And mm-hmm. uh, so this girl comes up missing on October 2nd and on October 5th, they find her dead body in the creek. Mm-hmm. And uh, just reading back through the story, it's it's layer after layer. It's like an onion, right? That's that's the outer layer, what you just said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, it gets that's there's the more, way more. View of it. Right. Yeah, that's definitely the 10,000 foot view of it. And there's yeah. just I don't even know. I don't know where you want me to go with it from here. There's just so many like twists and turns. Yeah. It's hard to and yeah. it's hard to haul put in like chronological order or because right. twists. Well, I just I want to I want to make uh, kind of some distinctions at the beginning about what let's kind of just start with what we know for sure. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of like he said, she said later on and, and you know, people saying different conflicting stories. So, yeah. Um, so here's the maybe only just the maybe only, stick to the evidence to begin with. That the only two. Irrefutable facts about this case is that Tabitha Raines had cocaine in her system and it had started to metabolize before she was killed. And the other piece of physical evidence that they have, and this this is all I know of, is that the bullet that was used was matched to the gun of Kyle Neff's mother. Uh, who uh, And Kyle, the story goes that Kyle lent the gun to the accused murderer, Elizabeth Balser, and who then shot Tabitha in the park that night over a uh, argument over drugs. Other than that, they found no physical evidence, no shell casings, none of that in the park uh, near where the body was found. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a very likely story. And so, so fast forward to the court case itself. You basically have that, those two pieces of physical evidence, and the rest of it is whose story do you believe over whose? Mm-hmm. And that's the whole crux of this. And um, the thing that really... I did the story for the Kokomo Tribune in 2015 or 16. I can't remember uh, what what um, year it was. Um, I think all, it was 2015. They all run together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really fun time. I was gonna just write the story. It was it was a big deal in my hometown when I was a kid, and here I was, you know, being the Tipton County beat reporter at the Kokomo Tribune, and I was like, why not revisit this? Mm-hmm. And Kyle and I have known each other almost our entire lives, Kyle Neff and I. Uh, my stepmom worked for his mother at Cheryl's Restaurant. Mm. Debbie Neff owned Cheryl's Restaurant in Tipton, and my mom worked there for like 20 years. So they were like really wow. close friends. Okay. So I know Kyle on a personal level, and he he and I were talking uh, one day, and he wouldn't go on the record with me for the story. 
He would tell me, though, that everything that he testified to in court was the truth, and um, and that and that was that. And he took the plea agreement because he knew that um, basically uh, the only physical evidence in the case pointed right at him because of the gun with the bullet. Mm-hmm. Matched up. Um, he later he would later change the story so many times, according to his wife, during you know prison visits and stuff like that. But um, where was I going? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. It's it's hard to. It's hard to keep track sometimes. There's a this there's a lot of like like they say in the Big Lebowski. There's a lot of, there's a lot of strands to keep an old duder's head. Um, <laughs> it just <laughs> it keeps it keeps going and and going. But um, okay, so let's let's go back to uh, maybe maybe that that is yeah all that stuff I definitely want to get to. Um, so we're back uh, two thousand two. It's October. Oh, okay, okay. So the whole yeah. reason, okay. Let's go. I'm right. sorry. Let's go to 2015 again, real quick. The whole. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I got interested in making more than just a story for a newspaper out of this yes. was after the story came out. Okay. The, the then Tipton County Sheriff, who is still a sheriff, uh-huh. came to Kyle and asked him what I wanted to talk to him about. Um, Kyle told me this, that Tony Frawley mm-hmm. came to him and asked this. So I, and Tony was a, a detective with the state police when all this happened and he was very involved in the case. And I, uh-huh. and that got me, uh, that piqued my interest way past a newspaper article because I'm like, why are the authorities asking people well, after the fact why I want to talk to them? Mm-hmm. Also, the Tipton County prosecutor, Jay Rich, considers this an open case and won't let anyone see the case files. But I have a little curveball in my bag that he doesn't know about. And uh, he's going to be surprised when this book comes out because I have everything he has. Hmm. Interesting. So in terms of case material. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not gotcha. telling anyone how I got that. I'll go to jail before I tell anyone where I got it. Hmm. Wow. All right. So going back, just, I just want to make sure people are, are clear on the on the on the facts of the case and and kind of the way the stories came out because there's there's one story and then someone else speaks up and then there's another story. Uh, as you said, um, w- with the cocaine and all that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So she goes to be with her friend Amanda Pratt at a local hospital where Pratt's grandmother is gravely ill. Right. So that's that's the story that gets her out out of the house, I guess. And then yeah. her, her uh, mother-in-law it was it was very common in those days for her mother-in-law to watch her son Drake while she went and did whatever stuff she was doing. Gotcha. Um I Tabitha I'm sorry. Tabby's mom Buffy Parrish does not believe that um that was that that story was was the truth. They were going that to do was a cover story. That, they were they were going to do something house. else because gotcha. it turns out that there was no sick grandma. There was none of that when it all came to okay. when it all came time to figure out what gotcha. was going on. There was no sick grandma in any hospital anywhere. I was gonna say I read the entire story and I was like I never heard anything else about that <laughs> about that grandma. I hope she made it. <laughs> um, anyway, was, yeah, at least. Yeah, so anyway, so the media is informed of the disappearance. Um, flyers go out. Um, so Pratt's boyfriend Neff. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just getting a little confused already. So so tell me what where the story goes from there. Pratt is Kyle Neff's wife. Gotcha. I don't know exactly when they married, and her change her name changed to Amanda Neff, but they've been they've since been divorced, and and that's another story for a whole another time. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, they find the body October fifth, and 
they do their whatever whatever police investigators do at the scene of a body when there's a dead body. They okay. you know they, they 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 take her body out of the creek. They and Tipton is such a small town that it does have a hospital, but they don't actually have a a morgue like they do in Howard County in Indiana at, at the hospital. All they have mm-hmm. is like a refrigerated tank to hold bodies. Okay. So they had to. So her body sat in the hospital in a refrigerator overnight before they took her down to Indianapolis, so that the pathologist down there at IU Health could do the autopsy. Because, and, to, and when it comes to homicides in small towns like this, mm-hmm. they typically defer to the state to help them investigate. I see. So they they took they took the body to a pathologist in Indianapolis, who obviously found that she had died at, uh, as a result of a gunshot wound to the head, and they ruled it a homicide at that point. So mm. talking October eighth, maybe by this time. Gotcha. Yeah, it says autopsy on the seventh, and then so yeah, by the ninth we're having the funeral, and then all right, so now we get to Andrew Bush. Okay, uh, so between, you want to introduce that part? Sorry, is there anything else you wanted to say before we get to that? Between Bush coming forward and the funeral, between that time that time frame, the cops really didn't know what they were. They didn't really have anything. Okay. Other than the other than the bullet which they didn't know who it belonged to at the time okay and they had you know the the results of the autopsy with the toxicology gotcha okay and so and so they what really, is andrew, who's andrew yeah sorry go on and, and and to make things even worse the guy who was the lead detective on this for the tipton police department had died in 2003 eight right. months after andrew bush comes forward and tells the story that i'm about to tell you oh man so so you don't have him as a resource anymore and a lot of people say that the investigation fell apart when he died because he was he he you know um i don't know if his note taking was great or but you know this guy had been a police officer and police chief for 12 years and a police officer for 30 so mm-hmm. but like so this this is i know i know i sound so scatterbrained but this is just such a wild story with so many rabbit holes it is <laughs> it really really is <laughs> and now i forgot what you were trying to ask me I oh, I was just trying to uh, make sure we covered everything before we got to Andrew Bush, because you were going to tell that part of the story. So I don't have the inner workings of the dialogue of, of the police department from um, October 2002 until February of 2003. I don't know what was going on then, but not much was nothing actually came out to the press about what the what the investigation um, uh, had found at that point until Andrew Bush comes forward and he. And uh, he kind of just changed the whole trajectory of, of everyone's fate, really. Hmm. All right. So who is Andrew Bush? Okay. So and Andrew what, Bush yeah. is a kid that lived in Tipton for a very short time and apparently went to high school with us that year hmm. in 2001 and two. Uh, I, I don't remember him and it's a small school. So I, but apparently he went to school there for a short time. But anyway, he um, was a 17 year old kid who had come to Tipton to live with his dad in a uh, mobile home park on the east very far east end of tipton and um he was he was kind of a troubled teen he was into drugs and alcohol um and uh he just so happened to be he claims he just so happened to be sitting in the tipton park pavilion on the night of october 2nd when he witnessed tabitha rains walk up to him in the pavilion and she seemed Mm. very out of sorts and antsy Mm mm-hmm and so they sit for a minute and share some vodka that Andrew Bush had, and um, and they did find alcohol in her system in the in, in the autopsy. So I mean that seems to you know match up with the story. And um, 
So they're they're talking small talk, and then here comes a very large uh, late model uh, Oldsmobile car. It's like a they call it. I mean, it was a, it was such a boat of a car if you could see this thing back then. And I, but anyway, I think it was like maroon or something, and it was rusted mm-hmm. out. But you always knew when this person was coming down up the street because you could hear it and see it, and you had to get out of the way with your vehicle or you were going to get hit because this thing was so wide. I mean, it was straight out of the seventies. So it comes coming, it comes rolling up in the park, and Andrew Bush immediately knows who it is because this person is his neighbor. Her name is Elizabeth Bolser. Mm-hmm. She has with her Kyle Neff. They get out of the car, and for whatever reason, they don't come to the pavilion. They they uh, disappear down the creek bank at first. Mm-hmm. I guess why they went down the creek bank is they were going to meet Jonathan Yates, another friend of Neff's and Bolser's. Mm-hmm. And so they reemerge in a different a different part of the park. The creek kind of wraps around the park in Tipton, and it runs mm-hmm. um, right out in front of the high school, basically to back behind the park, uh, back behind the hospital by the golf course. Mm-hmm. Do you understand where Tipton lays out at all? Mm-hmm. And so they show up. The, the three of them, Yates, Balser, and Neff, show up in a different part of the park a couple minutes later. And this time, Elizabeth Balser yells for Tabitha to come over to them. And uh, Bush comes along for the walk. And uh, as soon as they get to where these people, other people are, uh, Elizabeth Balser starts uh, accusing Tabitha Raines of stealing some cocaine and then hits her in the face with a gun. And, um, you know, at this point, Bush is freaking out. Um, He's also on opioids and benzodiazepines to go with the alcohol, he claims. So he's so he's heavily on drugs. He's he just he just witnesses someone get pistol whipped. He tries to help Tabitha, and then Tabitha points the gun at him and says, "Shut the f up! Don't say an effing word." And so at that point, he doesn't want to. You know, it's, it's a crazy person with a gun who just hit another mm-hmm. gun. So he doesn't know what to do. Plus, he's messed up on drugs. Apparently, then Elizabeth turns back to Reigns, Tabitha, who has gotten halfway back to her feet, and she shoots her in the head. Mm. Everybody, uh, Neff, Yates, are just are stunned. They they thought that she just was going to scare her to try to get the cocaine back that she allegedly stole. And now she ends up pulling the trigger, and we mm-hmm. have senior old on our hands here now. So, Balser still has the gun. She demands that Yates and Neff help her get rid of this body. There's the creek right there. So as they go to do that, Andrew Bush claims that he runs from the scene. And if you understand where the park is in relation to country living trailer park he claims he runs all the way home it's just a person that's not in shape heavily inebriated by numerous drug intoxication it's going to be extremely difficult for someone to run that entire distance to a trailer park on the other end of town tipton is small but that's still a good couple miles Mm -hmm. so and then so i started putting out feelers on facebook a few weeks ago just to see what i could find and andrew bush's girlfriend at the time um got a hold of me through facebook messenger and i asked her i was like do you think he had the ability being on 120 milligrams of oxycodone three to four milligrams of xanax which is twice the recommended dose max dose for a psych patient as well as vodka and she says to be honest yes those guys the crowd that they ran with in those days were that messed up all the time so apparently bush physically had the capability to do this um so he tells that story, and literally the next day, uh, the the Indiana State Police arrest 
Balser, Neff, and Yates. Murder mm-hmm. and um, the aiding and inducing of a, a something or another. I don't remember all the charges. I have them written down. But anyway, so that's mm-hmm. how. That's all. That's how it all came to a head. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah. That's that's the that's the new wrinkle in the in, in the case to say the least. It sounds like you don't necessarily completely. At least you're a little bit skeptical of of this story. Are you are you skeptical of the whole thing? Are you skeptical of parts of it? Or I mean, what? Here's where it all begins for me in terms okay. of skepticism towards the thing. What did Andrew Bush have to gain by coming back to Tipton the Tipton authorities? Um, five months after he had left and was not suspected of any crime, what did he have to gain to come back and tell Gary Stout and Jay Rich the story that he told? Um, they found no blood. There was no rain between October 2nd and October 5th in Tipton, Indiana, yet they found no blood, no shell casings, no physical evidence. She was found, when Tabitha Rain's body was found, she was found with just a gray hoodie on, no pants, no underwear, no shoes, Nothing other than a gray hoodie that wasn't even hers. And so it doesn't match up with any of the story that Bush allegedly tells. How does she end up half naked? Mm. Why is there no physical evidence in the park? Mm-hmm. And uh, Buffy, Tabby's mom, does not believe the story that came out in court. Uh-huh. And, uh, she, she, um, Buffy Parrish doesn't believe that Elizabeth pulled the trigger. Elizabeth has told her that she did not have anything to do with the murder. So there's that. Yeah. So I, just just to review, you've, you've got the police. There's turmoil in the police because the longtime uh, person on the case dies. Yes. And does he die after or before this this all he, comes out? He died eight months after the uh, confession after the, by Bush. After the confession. Okay. Yeah. So he was involved in the initial part, but nothing after that, obviously. Right. And then about a week and a half later, Bush came back to Tipton and walked through the park with the with the detective uh-huh. and the prosecutor and re, and retold his story and walked him through the park and retold the story. The reason that the police gotcha. believed him is that he corroborated details that weren't known to the public at the time. Is, mm. is what they said, which is basically a blanket statement for this is the best thing we have to go on in terms of prosecution, so we're going to go on it. That's how what I believe. Got you. Um, got I, you. I don't want to speak ill of elected officials in any way at all possible, but Jay Rich became a prosecutor that year, and um, he if they feel like uh, and I was denied I was denied a FOIA request to uh, review the case files. Because it's an active investigation, he says. I have a lot of material that I must uh-huh. have. It's a matter in the next year for me to read through it, figure out you know, what I want to do in terms of how do I create a narrative out of everything that they, I have in this case file. And, and I, also, I also have an interview set up with one of the people who covered the trial from beginning to end that I didn't have back in 2015. Uh, Tabitha's son is now 20 years old. He wants to talk to me. Mm. Uh, and I've got so I've got I've got a handful of other interviews still to do, and then thousands of pages to read before I get to um, my goal, which is thirty thousand words. Well, you need at least that much to <laughs> to get to everything in this case for sure. Um, now, is there anything else you want to say before we get to the the legal aspects, the trials, the moving the venue, and all that? Um, is there anything else else about the case that people should know at this point? Yeah. Uh, so another alternate theory. That is is very it's pretty popular, and I believe this is probably has a better chance of being the actual truth than what was told by Andrew Bush. 
Kyle Neff's mother, Debbie, had a house on Jackson Street in Tipton, which is uh, literally a three-minute walk to the park on foot from the house. And, um, you know, we talk about the no physical evidence in the park. There, it was a it was a fairly poorly kept secret that Tabitha and her husband Michael were kind of in the swinging, and so was Kyle Neff and Amanda. And um, I I am friends with uh, people that worked at the restaurant with them. Uh, Kyle had been in trouble before because he robbed his mom, and then and he had done some other felony crime. And so he worked, but he worked at the restaurant and he was a hard worker by all accounts. He just you know he was into drugs and he was willing to do whatever he could to get cocaine at the time but anyway so there's so the theory is is that amanda was very jealous of tabitha and at some point something went sideways during some type of swingers thing going on in the basement of that house by the park that would account for the reason why tabitha doesn't have any clothes on um Mm. that would account for why there's no blood in the park that would account for why there's no shell casings in the park and so someone sideways in the basement of that house tabitha wound up dead and, um, you know, the, the creek was right there and that's the easiest way to get rid of a body in that town where you were, where you were currently at. Um, you know, I know that town like the back of my hand, there's no other better place other than a cornfield in the summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it could it very possibly could have been, it could have been that, but you know, she did have cocaine in her system in her, in her autopsy. So that, you know, that leaves that. Who, 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 you, who, what is the source of that theory that you just mentioned? Is that just something you've heard from several people, or is that one person saying that? Or Tabitha's mom uh, believes something of that. I've okay. heard I've heard people say that she they believe that she was killed in some ritual, which I don't know if that's there's much to mm-hmm. that. I don't believe that as much as I believe that uh, the swinging thing. There was jealousy, drugs were involved. Uh, but Tabitha did say to her mom a couple weeks before she died. She said, "If." something happens to me there are pictures of the people who are responsible for my death in the diaper bag Mm -hmm. and when buffy went for that diaper bag there was a picture of kyle and a picture of michael um i'm sorry my daughter's out here pulling every wipe (laughs) out of her case that she can't i'm I'm sorry i had to deal with that for a second (laughs) father as well i i go get it (laughs) you said nine o'clock i was like all right the kids will be out of my hair by then yeah yeah well (laughs) Mostly. She made a dramatic re- resurgence here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is the Olympics, man. It is. Absolutely. For sure. Um, okay, so Balzer's trial received a change of venue, and it was moved yeah. to Hamilton County. Um, and you know, you know, you know, the, you know that, uh, that part of town very, very well. So. Sure. It's a different a totally different situation than than Tipton. I firmly believe in my heart that if that trial, the Balser trial, because that was the first domino in a series of dominoes that Jay Rich needed to have fall in order for him to have his whole theory uh, come to fruition, right? So I firmly believe that if that judge would have denied the change of venue, you would have seen all three of those people get convicted and sent away. Mm. But you get... You know, you go a city away where people don't know each other and you have a jury of your peers from a fairly large metropolitan area. You you run the risk of a reasonable doubt if you because if you know everyone involved and the reputations behind all those people involved, you're not going to overcome that as a juror. And there's no way that you would have probably gotten an unbiased jury in Tipton County in 2004 or 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But with that said, you know, on the other side of that, we may have a killer walking free because it got a change of venue. Mm-hmm. So, so Balzer backs out of the interview for your story after you, they initially agreed to talk and they were incarcerated at the Howard County jail on unrelated charges. And so she accepts a plea bargain and this is a separate issue not to do with this case. So she's, she's in other, other legal hot water at this point. She's been in and out of legal hot water her whole adult life. Right. And she lives uh, in Elwood now. And um, I've had multiple people tell me that she still brags about, uh, uh, committing the murder and never having to serve any time for it. I had someone who uh, was in jail with her uh, during her trial and she admitted to it then in the jail yard. Uh, she admits it freely at the bars and uh, gentlemen's clubs, not gentlemen's clubs, but uh, like fraternities, you know, like the Moose and the Elks and places like that. Mm-hmm. She freely, openly admits to the murder. So, you know, you told her mom that you didn't do it. Uh, you were acquitted, so you have double jeopardy impunity. You brag about it openly, but you won't talk to me for a book I'm doing or a newspaper article I'm doing. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to call her out because she probably is not going to listen to this. But the th- fact of the matter is, is that you look really bad. And if you care about your image at all, you might want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. So the, the legal case kind of falls apart. And at this point... Is it is it so much that we have an unsolved murder, and or is it more that we just have an unproven murder? Because it sounds like there's like some some theories as to of, of the case. It's not like we're totally without any any ideas. Um, so, do you think if this was retried in a different way by a different, I mean, you can't, I guess, if you do it once on, on one person, right? So it's double yeah. jeopardy. That's so, the that's the problem is once you get once once you get off, it's it's you can't re redo it again have another bite at the apple i guess and if you believe that the wrong person was tried for the murder right there's been no new evidence surfaced in this case in 20 years so it's a deeply cold case with no physical evidence if you don't believe what happened or or what was told in court Mm -hmm. so it's a very tough situation is it is it really unsolved or did the rookie prosecutor blow it um I don't know, but I promised the family, man, like five years ago that I would put together the best uh, comprehensive analysis of it I could, get all the information I could and get it get it down on paper mm-hmm. and, and and not let the and not let the uh, uh, the idea of giving the family justice. Uh, I'm not gonna let that die. It's been twenty years. Yeah. Are you concerned for your own safety at all? Mine? Yeah. Um. I mean, you're you're kicking over some pretty big rocks here, you know. I am, I you know, but I mean, it comes with the territory. I mean, you you knew what it was when you when you signed up for it, as far as journalism goes. I get it, but you I mean, like you mentioned, this is more than just a story for you. You've lived with these people and among these people, and this is your town, and you have a connection to the case personally. So yeah, I, I made I made people look really bad the first time mm-hmm. uh, that I wrote the newspaper article about it, and uh-huh. I keep you know I keep poking the bear you know, so to speak. But do I think that people, I don't live anywhere near that. Right. Or, um, I'm sure that you could find me on the internet if you really wanted to, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't think anybody's going to throw up any roadblocks over an ex. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm not worried, I'm not worried about it. Gotcha. But you know, well, it's, just, yeah. and, and, you know it's, 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 there, there's some self-service here too. I mean, I, I've always dreamed of being an author and, yeah. 
you know, I, you know, like you said, I appreciate the compliment in the very beginning. I am, mm-hmm. I feel like I am a legit uh, journalist that, that, yeah, at the top of his game was one of the better mm-hmm. ones around. I got mm-hmm. the number to prove it. So, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have an ego about it, but it's a goal that I want to uh, complete. And I have it all here in front of me now. Plus I can help a family and um, make some people that didn't help me look bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not bad. Well, <laughs> not at all <laughs> um but uh are, are you 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 mentioned the book but i mean i could see this easily becoming like a netflix situation you know what i mean like a a docuseries or something uh have you thought of any visual component to it i don't possess the intelligence way <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I don't even know how you go about doing something like that. So, that, like, you know, I, I think I think that if... If, if, if this was on Netflix, I would watch it, is what I'm saying. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, <laughs> but you would need a team of producers way way more oh, smart yeah, than me. Yeah. But the problem you're going to run into is that you're not going to get any help from law enforcement. And and to make it a compelling docu-series, you're going right. to need to talk to somebody from the from the prosecutor's office or the detective's yeah. sheriff's department. So. And they and they they have no interest in helping anyone uh, put anything out about this. But Tipton has a history of this too. There was a murder in the '60s where a girl was found naked, dead out in the country, and they mm. never saw that one either. Man, look it up. Wow. What and was the people, name on that one? Somebody wrote a book about this one too. Yeah, Oline Emberton. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. The uh, Indy Star did a story on this in 2018 because a book came out about it. But any, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, in 1965, yeah, she was found uh, dead out in the country. Mm. Um, there was no signs of physical evidence. But back then, forensics was so bad. I know. I can't believe anybody got caught for anything back then, honestly. And, like, and, and uh, they, the Tipton Police Department, not to, not to accuse them of being very uh, Mayberry, Barney Fife-ish, but like... They had the Pinkerton detectives come in and try to help them because they were so clueless as to how to figure out how to solve a murder back in 1965 mm-hmm. in a town of 5,000 people. So Oline Emerson was murdered. They never solved that one. And this one, you know, we, we've talked about all the circumstances, but, you know, technically this one remains unsolved, too. So, yeah, definitely. And then uh, the mom wins the Powerball. <laughs> yeah, um, randomly out of, out of nowhere <laughs> we haven't get to that part yet <laughs> you know, that's that's the funny thing about um how this all got started because that she won the powerball two million uh-huh. powerball uh when i was an employee at the kokomo tribune um, oh and there was a story about it right <laughs> story about it in the paper and i was like there's not very many people named buffy and tipton that's got to yeah. be the lady whose daughter was murdered yeah it ended up being that it was yeah she uh Talk about life changing. Right. That's the life policy that she never got the cash on her daughter's murder. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Really. If karma, if you believe. Sure. Definitely. So uh, you mentioned a little bit of this before, but people talking like, like how much new information do you think you can get on the record? Because that's, that's the point, right? It's got to be on the record. People have got to be willing to put their name to what they're saying in a situation like this. And I'm sure that is a big hurdle that you have to get across with people that you're talking to for this. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't work for a corporation whose lawyers I have to keep happy. Anymore. True. True. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I get that. And if I use anonymous sources that I know who they are, mm-hmm. I don't feel like, 
So you're willing to just to put it out there for people that are listening that are might have something to tell you. You are willing to let it's people talk to you off the record. I feel that if I and I have the discretion, I feel like with you know I haven't done it for 15 years. That the bottom line is is that I'm going to struggle to get people to go on the record with me because people in Tipton mm-hmm. are still scared that the killer's still out there. And if you keep you don't keep your mouth shut, you're going to end up next. Mm-hmm. I, think that's, I think that's fairly widely accepted and known in Tipton that you're not supposed to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So I think I have to go about it with the approach that if you do have something that you need to tell me, you can do it anonymously. And I know enough about Tipton and the people to know if you are who you say you are and if you have legit possibility of information that could be useful to me or this case. Who's the main people that you would like to talk to that you haven't gotten to talk to or, or maybe you have talked to but haven't gone on the record that you that you really want? What's 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 your big fish i guess i would really getting uh getting the reporter who covered the entire trial is going to be big for me okay that will give me a, a that will help me stretch this thing out really far in terms of how how i can present how the trial went for the public uh-huh. from the public perspective right um i would give you know i have all the kids i want so i would give reproductive organs and other organs to talk to <laughs> elizabeth balser if she would just sit down with me for 30 minutes to talk to me uh-huh yeah um right i don't believe that kyle neff has told me the truth but i don't believe him i don't believe him as far as i can throw him and, and you know i am very close to the situation in in, in terms of like uh-huh. you know debbie i've known debbie and kyle almost my whole life like we did we went you know we, we went on a lake together and like we spent a lot of time together the families were together it sucks that i'm doing i have i'm so closely like connected to it but you know it is what it is it, it's a blessing in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but i mean are are you aware of maybe your own biases because of that in a case like this because it's almost like you can't. I mean, if you grow, I grew up in Mitchell, so I know how it yeah, is in a small town. If if you if you grow up there, you're you're involved. You can't get away from it. Like I I grew up in a town of three thousand people, so I get it. Like, um, I mean, I went to the same people I went to preschool with as I were in my graduating class. It was the same core group of people, you know. So. Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, my personal experience is going to have. Um, uh, a profound effect on the outcome of this project mm-hmm. there's no way right. to, to i mean how could you be like no 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 I yeah right exactly of course I you are. Business <laughs> no i mean i know them all but also i also take the truth very seriously man i because because this is not related to the book but like you kind of alluded to this earlier anybody with a keyboard can be considered a journalist nowadays and that right mm-hmm. there I, I told someone the other day that I, I wish that the internet would have never been born because it's, it, it's created um, the situation that you and I just talked about. Plus it's allowed the rise of these media outlets that just, re, that just thrive on lying. Mm-hmm. And I, that bothers me immensely. And it's, and it's a big problem in our country. So like I see that happening, you know, at the national level in terms of cable news especially is the worst sure but, so so with that in mind i take the truth very seriously and i want the truth to be out there on the record in a uh uh in a manner that people can read it and and decide for themselves maybe so uh, you know mm-hmm. the truth is very is very important yeah absolutely 
Well, I know you're going to get it done because you have the drive within you. I know you. I know that you're like you said. You made a promise to the family, right? So this is beyond just your own ambitions. You you feel like you have to, you know, get to the finish line on this one way or another, right? I want to do it for them, and um, you know, I had to take some time off from it because I got uh, physically sick, and um, sure, and I went through some tough times with that. That's not really the point of this podcast, but like you know, I did put it on hold for a while, but I'm back, and I'm I. Um, I have, you know, I have the goal. I have the the commitment that I made. I have never forgotten that stuff. It's been it's been six years, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get it done. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, surely. If anybody has anything to say about this, please get in a hold of uh, Josh, and we really need to get the the final word on this out. So. Um, I mean, what would you, what would you say to people that are on the fence? Like, like, like people that you want to talk to that, like, what, what's your pitch to them? It's going to eat at your conscience for the rest of your life. And if you don't, uh, come forward, if you have some information that differs from what the public seems to believe now, um, it would eat at me, uh, for the rest of my life. If I knew that I had to go to bed every night with some information that could, uh, put someone in jail, give some family uh, members some justice, uh, but maybe we do know the truth, and if we do know the truth, that person can't be charged for murder again, so what do you really have to lose? Mm-hmm. That person doesn't live in Tipton anymore. Uh, matter of fact, um, there is one person that in the beginning was um, charged for murder, but later had all the charges dropped. He, I had, he still lives in Tipton, but that guy doesn't have a criminal record, and he's not, gonna, and he's not a, a, a risk to harm anyone. He's mm-hmm. never that propensity ever. Mm-hmm. He was a bystander who, if you believe the story, got roped into carrying a dead body. I don't think anyone's in danger of getting their life taken from them if they talk to me. And I don't feel like my life's in danger because I'm doing this project. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I hope people uh, come forward and I hope this helps to, you know, shake them some things loose that need to be shaken loose because I think, I think we all deserve to know the truth for once. Even if they don't, even if it doesn't, you know, it's still been 20 years. I still have the material. I'm going to put it together and we're going to have a product, finished project product in the 20 and the 20 year anniversary of it. And um, even if I have to go through Amazon or some other self-publishing thing, I'm going to get it done so that I can I can present it to the family. I've had a few people say we definitely want to copy. I've had newspapers contact me to tell me that they want to talk to me when I'm getting closer to getting done. So, um mm-hmm. So I have that too. So I need, you know, I have, I have all the, all the, uh, support push and drive that I need now to get this done. Mm-hmm. Definitely, man. Well, um, you know, I, I, I thank you for, for taking so much time tonight. I, I, uh, I definitely hope uh, to talk to you again soon when this is, uh, you know, come to fruition. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know there's going to be the interest there once, once people hear the story, just all the, the, the crazy twists and turns it takes alone is, is, is worth the price of admission. So, um, but, uh, last question before I uh, go, I always ask, uh, what music have you been listening to lately? Um, you know, it's funny that you say that because, um, I can, t- I'll tell you right now. Um, I, uh. Because I, I'm not a big Pandora guy or Alexa, hey, play the Rolling Stones. I don't do that. <laughs> but I do listen to YouTube from my phone. Yeah. And uh, YouTube will create mixes for you based on the mm-hmm. music that you listen to. Um, so I got Tupac, uh, Everlast, nice. Tupac, Eminem, Digital Underground. Nice. Uh, let's see here. 
Uh, Ghetto Boys. I know you like that. Oh, yeah. Beastie Boys. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Coolio. Nice. And then I've also really been into Chris Cornell lately, so I also got cool. one that reads like this. It reads, Soundgarden, Audio Slave, Audio Slave, Soundgarden, <laughs> Foo Fighters, Offspring, Pearl Jam, Tracy, here's a, here's a, here's a curveball, Tracy Chapman. Oh, yeah, that's true. Prince, Michael Jackson, Chris Cornell, Tom Petty, E-40, nice. The Wallflowers, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Dire Straits. Oh, and James yeah. <laughs> there you go. I think that's the most varied answer I've ever received to that question. So. Well, you, know me, you know I'm crazy as hell, so I got all kinds of eclectic music. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I don't even need YouTube half the time. It's just going on in my brain. <laughs> exactly. I'm really just like, I'm going to have a song stuck in my head all the time one way or another, so I, I look at it like, do I get to choose the one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, well, hey, thank you again, man. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if, if anyone can can do anything to help, I, I get a hold of Josh. He's the man to talk to. And uh, can't wait to read it, man. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it's uh, it's an honor to be on the show. Uh, I've always I've always admired you from a journalistic standpoint, and uh, you've always we've been friends since the moment I've known you. So um, it's an honor, and I hope you're doing well. Hope your kids are good, man, and I uh, hope the journalism field continues to bless you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Same to you. Uh, have a good night. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, man. Have a good one. See you. Bye.
Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, RSS, and now Spotify. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Also, if you want to call or text the show for any reason, the number is 317-674-3547. Until next time.